Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace show, where we're creating a conversation for what God's doing through Christians in the marketplace. I'm Sean Bowles, and my co-host is Bob Hassan. We interview everyday influencers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs from all areas of industry, exposing you to powerful stories of what God's doing through people just like you. We're also sharing our thoughts about what God's doing in finance, business, entertainment, and politics. Come join the conversation now. We are on Exploring the Marketplace because we're exploring what God's doing right now in the world around us in culture, in the marketplace, and entrepreneurship. And we have exciting guests every week, but I'm super excited, Bob, this week about our guests. Tell us about them. Sean, we have Alex Caesar, and he is a young man. He was a cornerback at Texas A&M. He started a real estate career right out of college and then has transitioned into a consulting and coaching career. And uh, I think we are just going to love hearing from him. Well, and I think he defines some things too, where he's young and successful, but he's been paying some prices. Yeah. And he also has some key relationships that he's been developing and being faithful to, I think really set him apart. So I'm excited to hear from him, how he's gone on this journey and why he thinks it's so maybe set apart from a lot of his friends who graduated at the same time. But up next is Alex Caesar. I had a word that the next great move of God's spirit, like a Jesus people movement is gonna happen in the workplace, in the marketplace, and we need to hear God right now. You know, when you're working your career, your place of influence, your job, and you're wanting as a Christian a God result, there has to be a God process to get to that result, and we have to hear God. My friend Bob Hass and I wrote a book just for you to teach you how to hear God's voice in the season of your life, to help you in your place of career, in your place of business. So there's no disconnection between who you are at church, who you are in your family, and who you are in your career, but it all works together beautifully and I believe that this book is a key book for now to help you understand what God's doing. So I'm gonna encourage you to get this book wired here. And if you get it during this month, you get the masterclass where Bob and I taught on just the themes of the book and help bring it home, help give you some assignments and some impartation that's gonna bring it right into your very life. So I'm gonna encourage you get wired to here now and get our brand new masterclass free when you buy the book from bullsministries.com. Welcome back to Exploring the Marketplace. We are here with Alex Theser. We're so glad to be with you. This is going to be a good interview. I'm excited to hear from you. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you both. Well, Alex, um, we have had fun in our pre-show, and uh, I, just, I would just love for you to tell our audience, um, tell us a story about how you first got started in your career. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it actually goes back to my college football playing days at A&M. Uh, while I was playing football at AM, I was um, had the the opportunity to fish in a man's backyard. So it was the <laughs> director of player uh, development at AM. Mikado Henson knew a friend of a friend. And he was at his daughter's birthday party, this guy, his friends, and he saw this beautiful lake in the backyard. And he says, Hey, I have a couple of football players that like to fish. Would it be okay if I brought them to your friend's house? The guy's name was Doug Peterson. He said, absolutely. So I'm fishing in this guy's backyard who had obviously done something in life very well, uh, judging by the looks of his house. And the sun is setting, just a beautiful night. And I see mm. him walk out of these large double doors uh, into his backyard. And I thought at the time it all made sense. This guy's like a retired NBA player. He's almost seven feet tall. So <laughs> I just, out of gratitude, honestly, I paddled across the lake, got out of the boat, and I went to shake the man's hand and tell him, thank you for allowing us to come fish. That simple thank you turned into a conversation that probably lasted 25 minutes. It ended with me uh, getting his phone number. He says, hey, if you ever need anything, give me a shout. 
got his phone number, sat on it for two weeks, reached out to him, and that turned into an amazing friendship that turned into a partnership to me buying 340 units in real estate, oh uh, to me becoming the president of two companies. It all started with a simple thank you. So I'm just kind of reminded of when Jesus healed the, the 10 lepers and only one returned. He says, where are the other nine? And I was the one that night to uh, who returned to say thank you. So mm. that's how it started. Oh, it's so wild because I just think of the serendipitous nature of how God puts us together with people and yeah. for our career. And so many people don't just, they think it's going to happen because of the gift on their life or the calling and all that's true. But for you as a character to just go back and say, thank you. And where do you think that comes from inside of you? Like where, where did that moment come from? Because I know you, you talked to us in the pre-show about being mentored by not only your dad, but your grandfather yeah. in your faith. So talk about this. Um, yeah, just the, Gratitude was something that was instilled in me from a very young age, um, whether that was just being grateful for all the things that I was gifted with. Um, but they made it a point to point that out to me that, hey, everything that you have is not to be taken for granted. Mm -hmm. Your skill set, um, resources, everything that you have. I was blessed to be raised by my father, which most people, a lot of people can't say. Uh, yeah. Not only that, but my grandfather. So to have this generational legacy is not something that I take lightly. So um, gratitude was something that I saw lived out in my parents' and grandparents' lives and has carried on and passed down to me. So, Wow. Was there a faith component in your grandparents and your, and your uh, parents' lives? Absolutely. So my grandfather was a pastor. Uh, my dad is now the pastor of the church that he left. Wow. Um, so that's just something that was kind of a cornerstone in my life from the very beginning. And then me coming to faith in my teenage years and having a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, my grandfather said, you know, that sitting in church doesn't make you, uh, any more of a Christian than standing in the garage makes you a Cadillac. So <laughs> it was something that uh, yes. became personal for me, uh, at, at a very young age, uh, relative to, I guess, the majority of people. And um, God's hand and God's power has just shown, uh, he's shown his faithfulness in my life. So well, if I can think of two fight and yeah. favor. So God's favor, yeah. and then also just have an ability to fight through it and push uh, to actually reap the rewards. So, Which is perfect. That's where I'm going to go with this next question. Because I think, you know, to be so young and to be given business kind of early in some ways. So that's Absolutely. a pretty significant start. That's not like uh, climb your way up a corporate ladder. That is immediately in the fire of real responsibility. Yeah. Talk about what that was like, because a lot of people, they hear that. And that's a very sexy story. That's a very like, wow, he all of a sudden is a, you know, a president of companies and partner and all these things and all these units. But let's talk about the reality of that. Like, what was that like as a young believer out of college, you know, like working on these huge projects? Like, tell us about how you felt. Tell us some, some of the, some of the hard points, but then also how your faith helped you get past those hard points. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll talk from two different angles. Uh, the first is the actual real estate side. So I was the president of a, a real estate acquisitions company then a management company. On the acquisition side, I will tell anyone who starts in real estate, real estate is not a fast cash business. Yeah. So for example, my first property that I bought, my partner's first deal was $5,000 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago. My first deal was $500,000. Right. Wow. Two very different numbers. And to be honest, the numbers really, it was a great deal when it comes to equity on, upon purchasing the deal, but it did not cash flow for years. Mm -hmm. yeah. So number one, not having a half a million dollars to actually 
go to the bank and get the check. So I had to be resourceful when I didn't have the resources, kind of like, you know, Jesus and feeding the 5,000. Yeah. You can focus on the, the amount of resources or you can be resourceful. You can focus on the source. Uh, so that was the first thing was going to my partner saying, hey, I think I found a deal. And he goes, okay, make an offer. I'm thinking, I don't have half a million dollars. <laughs> the money will come. So that's the first thing. And then being able to fight through the turnover and getting the tenants out who weren't paying mm -hmm. and renovating the property and looking at that statement every month going, I am bleeding money. I don't know if I'm going to see the light of day, but to be able to persevere and trust the process and have a mentor that says, Hey, it does get better. I've been through it. I promise it gets better, but to trust that process, that's some sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah. I went on to do even bigger deals, bought a vacant nursing home, sat on it for two years, watched it bleed $10,000 a month. This is not, I would not advise anyone yeah. to do this, but I was in such a strong equity position. We sold it for you know half a million more than we bought it for. But those types of moments will test your resolve to see like, hey, how bad do you really want this? So my wife yeah. said the other day, Alex, she goes, you know, being on the edge of faith is either like being on the edge of a breakthrough or a mental breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just practically you're like, yeah, either God comes through or we're broken in this situation. And that, that's a tension that not a lot of people want to live out. Yes. I mean, you don't want to live out of it without God, period. But then if God puts you in a position where he's asking you to, and you have mentors and people in your life that are asking you to believe for some things. Yeah. I mean, when you're bleeding in real estate, it's like there's no pain like that, I think, sometimes or in a big project like this. So that's, I'm so glad you shared that because I do think people sometimes look at this and they go, look at Alex. And they don't realize that the sleepless nights, they don't realize yeah. that, am I going to make it? Am I going to go bankrupt? Are we going to lose this property? Is there going to be a foreclosure? Like, they don't realize those moments yeah. that happen before you get into your rhythm. Like I would never make the same real estate mistakes as I did on my first couple properties. Right. But at the same time, I've made mistakes because there's bigger properties. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like it's bigger, bigger levels, bigger devils, but also big, greater God. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So I'm so glad I mean, you shared that. There's the, the one thing that I could control was my response. Wow. So if, if you look at, you know, you look at Jesus and his, his disciples on the ship and the storm comes and it says that Jesus was sleeping. So you have the disciples that are panicked in fear. Oh my gosh, do you even care if we perish? but Jesus was sleeping. So if you look at the posture of leadership, how will you respond when there are problems? Will mm -hmm. you respond from faith? Will you respond from, hey, I've, I've been educated. I've been here before. Jesus knew that at the sound of his voice, he would cease the winds and the waves. His disciples were, I guess, <laughs> less aware of that and they're panicking. So it's like, how do you respond to problems? What's your posture? So uh, think about being a young, a young president and literally early into my tenure, COVID hits and everyone's looking at me wow. like, how will this guy respond? So, and I guess I, I can, you know, give football some credit for that. A million people watching it's me versus another guy playing cornerback on an Island. So you just get some <laughs> <laughs> that confidence. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a combination of confidence and then to me, what you're saying is trusting the Lord. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And yeah. it, it seems to me like you're able to appropriate not only the stories of Jesus, but actually trusting God and then having the peace that passes all understanding yeah. as these storms are coming through to you. How did you, how did you calm the other people around you? Because I know your mentor is saying, I've been through this, it's going to be okay. Right. You know, when he spent that first 5000 on his real estate deal, interest rates were 16%. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, you know, back in those days, it was, 
it, it was it was hard. And even though there was some other zeros to it, it was a big stretch for him, yeah, as, yeah. as big of a stretch as it was for you. And so how did you appropriate the fact that he was giving you courage and then you giving courage downstream? Right, absolutely. So I think number one is being transparent with your team. Right. Because if I walk in and you know I'm the big, big bad guy, beat on my chest, I was just honest with them. Now, obviously, I had strategy. So literally one night we go from we were very hands on interactive in our management company. We pretty much took that show 95 percent online overnight, collected 98 percent of what we expected to collect. Didn't have to you know kick many people out, work with as many people as we could um, and leased our property from home. So number wow. one was strategy. But number two is transparency saying, hey, here's what I do know. Right everyone's going to get paid this month. Here's what I do know. We're in the foxhole together. Here's what I do know. You can count on me via Zoom every single day. Here's what I do. So being transparent with them saying, hey, here's what I don't know. I don't know how long this will last, but I know as long as it lasts, I have your back. I don't know how many people will pay this month, but I know we'll figure it out. I don't. So they trusted what I was saying because there's this level of transparency one, they see the strategy, but two, they go, hey, he's being very honest and upfront about the things that he doesn't know um, and saying, hey, no matter what, we're going to get there. I was just talking with a guy this morning. I said so many people get so married to the method versus the mission. Yeah. And it's like, no, date the methods, marry the mission. So it's like, I'm going to Houston, Texas. Now there's different routes. I can take a car, I can take a plane, but I guarantee you, we're going to Houston. So that was kind of thing is like, we're going to get there. I may not know, know how we may have to adapt. We may have to change our strategy, but my team trusted, Hey, if Alex says we're going to get there, we're going to get there. He's going to do whatever he has to do to make that happen. So. Mm. Well, it's so cool because there's a lot of visionaries, obviously, but there's not a lot of visionaries who communicate the process. Mm. And one of the things that you're all about is helping people understand their culture and how yeah. to develop culture inside of their companies. And I love that you've, lent that part of your career to other people that you're not just doing it in your own company, but you've actually helped other companies understand that. Talk about like why you decided to kind of open up your process to other people to kind of help mentor and guide other people. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what it feels like to be in that seat. So I'm 24, newly appointed president of a company and I see things happening and the owner says, Hey, this is what we're about but maybe those actions aren't showing up in the organization. The owner says, hey, here's my vision, but he doesn't know how to clearly articulate it to where it creates progress progress in the organization. So for me, it was something that I had the Bible as a resource, as my source. So I turned to it and figured out some answers to some of his problems. And for me, it's like, if this can help us, if this can help me, I want to help other people as well. So that was the reason I opened it up. And then as far as the strategy and being strategic about it, we use seven, seven different levers. So it's vision, purpose, core values, branding, team building, uh, mission, and then authenticity. And so whenever we're doing that is how do we holistically approach building a culture? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I start with number one, what is it? Because, you know, I, I like definitions. So we may say culture and have completely different meanings. Right. But for me, it's three different words in a sentence that matter the most. So beliefs, behaviors, and results. So how mm-hmm. do we influence beliefs that then turn into behaviors that produce the intended outcomes that we want, those results. So 
Um, that's why I chose to focus on culture because I'm a big results person. If you read my personality test, it's going to say bottom line, utilitarian. And so for me, it's like, how do I influence results? And I just figured out that culture was a way to directly impact the results that organizations experience. So um, you actually, Alex, you actually transitioned out of your real estate company mm-hmm. into uh, as a consultant. Talk to us a yes. bit about that. Yeah, so... I knew that God was calling me to do something different. To be honest, I didn't know exactly what it was. I had been dabbling in some consulting on the side, speaking, um, but here, here was my confirmation. So I talked to my partner, and um, actually the first day it happened, it was a normal Saturday, and I just felt like God was prompting me. Prompting me. There was no audible voice that cracked the sky. Just like It was just this very strong urge that it was time for me to move on. I just purchased wow. an RV park, had no plans on leaving. And now I have to wrestle with this idea of like, I don't want to talk to my partner and tell him, I don't know what to do with this information. We just bought this. He's depending on me. All of those thoughts are floating in my head. And um, I call my dad, which is something I normally do whenever I'm a little confused yeah. or there's a decision to be made. And I said, hey, I feel like God's moving me in a different direction. And he says, oh yeah, I knew that. I'm thinking, hold on. What do you mean you knew that? And he says, I had a dream and you were packing up your office. And I'm going, when were you going to tell me this information? And he said, son, it's not my job to tell you. It's my job to confirm it. Wow. And I mean, at that point, I'm mind blown. I'm thinking, okay, now I have to have this conversation. And I go to my partner. I said, hey, uh, we were actually, he was doing the biggest deal he's ever done in his life, prompted by me. So he was buying out his first partner's family. And part of the terms and stipulations of the deal, the bank stipulated that Alex had to be a part of the company. So now I have all of this weight and I'm just like, I don't want this deal to go south. Eventually we spooled it over with the bank, but we're leaving the bank. And I says, hey, we need to talk. And he goes, okay, hit me. And I said, no, we need to talk in your office upstairs. This is serious. <laughs> he goes, Alex, you, you're my son. Like, what's going on? I said, I feel like, I feel like God's calling me to something different. He goes, okay, go do it. And that was wow. as simple as the conversation was. Wow. And he knew, uh, he told me, he says, I didn't think I could hold you as long as I did. So he says, I knew you were going to leave me eventually. Um, and, and that's how it happened. That's how it started. Well, I, I, I love this because I hear a couple of things and I know Bob and I love, we both love the same thing. So one of the things I hear is your father's interaction with you. Mm-hmm. I love that this man, the partner was kind of a mentor to you as well. And so Talk about that, like like doing a life in the context of relationship in these mm-hmm. business and careers versus doing a life very independently. Because one of your highest values is like in the culture is feedback and connecting to people and like actually, and you talk about mentorship. So talk, how do people get involved with this? How, because a lot of people are listening to that going, I wish my dad was that way. I don't have a dad or I wish yeah. I had a business partner mm-hmm. who wasn't mean. <laughs> you know? So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So number one, relationships are, are two-way street. So it, you know, it, t- it takes two to make a thing go right. So it's how, what am I doing to make sure that I'm holding my holding up my end of the bargain when it comes to the relationship? So my partner and I had a relationship that was different than 99, maybe 100% of other relationships mm-hmm. that he had. And to be honest, whenever he would tell me stuff early on, I was still working as an energy consultant in Houston. He would say, hey, come back, take over for me. He would introduce me at company functions before I ever showed up to his organization as the future of the company, the face of the company. To be honest, it was very uncomfortable for me because he had employees and I'm thinking, what do they think about this? 
But it became clear to me that whenever I actually moved over here, and I lived with him for two months before I bought my house, whenever I moved back to town, and I realized our relationship was different because he is very much a motivator, not a teacher. So he's going to tell you once, you have to take action for him to tell you the next step. So we had a very great relationship because I was someone who complimented him. He was older, didn't really want to go bird dogging for deals. I wanted to, I had energy. So it's like, how do we find relationships that are mutual, mutualistic to where I bring what you don't, I respond when you prompt me. So for any young person out there, it's like, if you want a mentor, these people are busy be someone that when they tell you something, you take action on it and you show up and say, hey, I did X, Y, Z, what's next? Mm-hmm. Don't show up to the wow. meeting again going, hey, I remember what you told me last time, but I have questions about that. No, take action, come back and say, hey, Bob, this is what I did, what's next? And he really loved that. And he really loved to see me go out and have success because he's a great part of that, so. Wow. The interesting thing, Alex, <clears throat> When you said it was time for you to leave, you didn't really leave, right? Because you're sitting in the same building. Right. <laughs> you you, uh, you still have a relationship with him. And and so this is another thing that I want you to focus on is you didn't burn your bridges. As a matter of fact, your relationship has gotten stronger and he's, and he's been behind you in this next phase of your life. I don't even know this part of the story. I'm so glad I got to hear it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> ironically... So I I leave the building, you know, my old office is downstairs. So I leave the building for a few months. And um, so I have my home office. And so my wife, she's expecting, right, well, we're expecting any day now. So she she could call me tomorrow and say, hey, I'm in labor. So I have my home office that turns into a nursery. I come back up here and say, hey, I'm going to need some office space pretty soon. So I start looking around and he goes, uh, he sees me in the hallway. He says, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for office space. He goes, (laughs) you know who you are. Go tell the property manager it's free. I said, all right, cool. (laughs) So his office is upstairs. Everyone else is downstairs. His office is actually right next to mine upstairs. Mm -hmm. Um, So anytime he needs to bounce something off of me, vice versa, we have a great relationship and who I literally may buy him out one day still, but he knew that there was an itch. There was an unction that I had to scratch. If not, I'd be in the company right now, still wondering what if. Yeah. Uh, so this was something I had to do and maybe it comes full circle, but I knew it was time and he knew it was time. That's so huge. I, I think that uh, people aren't passing batons well and they aren't like, there's an older generation and I hear a lot from young people like you who are just saying, man, I feel resisted. I don't feel like supported. I feel like there's no path except for separation basically. Right. Because you're either in my vision or you're out of my vision, you're done. You know, and I, I feel like that's been the previous generation's kind of motto. You see it in the churches where, I mean, most churches are led by boomers. They don't know how to give the church away or raise anyone else up. You see it in companies. You see a lot of strong personalities leading companies, and they haven't learned how to raise up the next generation. So I love this because you're learning something that you're going to reproduce tenfold from what you're learning from him. And I think that that's, I think God wants to do something where there's a passing of a baton. There's something about, there's a combining of the generations that there's, there's a generational blessing on, but we have to fight for it. And I've had to fight for that. I mean, I've had, I'm a young guy and I've had to fight for real relationship with people in their 60s, 70s, right. and 80s, other than Bob, because he's the easiest person to be friends with in the world. <laughs> but but I've had to fight for relationships to the point where I've had people tell me, don't do what you're about to do. And if you do that, God will not bless you. And I have to say, can I reject your your right. discernment over me without rejecting you? Can I can I live my own life and make my own choices without rejecting you? Because I want to keep this relationship. But for them, it's like all in, like 
you know, you either do it or you don't do it. So I love this model of what you're experiencing. And I'm hoping our audience that they feel that, that they saw this is the better way. This is the higher way. And if they're not experiencing it, it is available. Because like I have, we call Bob our dad friend, even though he's like our friend friend. But we go to Bob, Sharina, go to Bob and Lauren when we need advice about life. We just do. Like we just, they, we lean into them and they, they lean back into us and they're like zero control, but lots of strong opinions, you know, right. lots of strong discernment. And I feel like everybody has to find their people. And this young generation isn't good about honoring. I just yes. froze. Yeah, yeah. This younger generation isn't good about honoring and pulling in older generations. So you're such a model of that. I'm just yes. so encouraged by what you're saying. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's that dynamic in our churches and our businesses. How does the vision outlive the visionary? And yeah. I mean, even if you look at Jesus's model that he left, it's like, hey, I'm going to a place you're not coming. So what am I going to do in place of my departure to make sure that the ministry continues? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, that's huge in business. It's like, how do I model behavior? How do I pass that vision down so that when I'm no longer in the business, when I'm no longer in the operation, we can still pursue that vision, that mission. So yeah. um, that's a large part of what I do when it comes to coaching organizations and culture and everything. It's like, how does this outlive the person who started? Well, Alex, this has been, I think we need to do a, a round two. This has been amazing. How do people get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, and tell us a little bit about your website and what you offer. Yeah. So alexcaesar.com and that's S-E-Z-E-R. Everything I offer, you can find there. So books coming out pretty soon. I'll have the first devotional uh, the next couple of months. Uh, publishers pretty much finishing up everything now. You can find like a completed workbook for all of my frameworks. So vision, mission, core values, like how to design all of those things and implement them in your organization. Uh, I package that so that you can have that via workbook. And then as well as like in-person consulting, speaking, keynotes, uh, all of that is on alexcaesar.com. Oh, we're so glad. We're so glad you were here, Alex. I feel like we're talking to like a 60-year-old man. <laughs> You're so young. So I'm so glad you have a long career ahead of you because I just yeah. feel like God's raising up something through you that's so unique that the world needs. And so thanks yeah. for being on the show today. And I encourage all of you who are watching right now to make sure to go to the website, get the workbook. You want to get this kind of tools, especially if you're an entrepreneur or a leader, or if you think one day you're going to lead an organization because we have to lead with excellence. And so I love this so much. Well, we're going to be right back with Final Thoughts with Sean and Bob. I'm Sean Bowles, and I'm going to invite you to our Spiritual Growth Academy online, where you can attend a four-week class or an event every month. Plus, our back catalog is available to you as well on spiritual gifts, especially hearing God's voice, and also a deeper connection to the Holy Spirit and how to walk with Him in real ways in the days we're living in right now. Come join us at Spiritual Growth Academy by going to BowlesMinistries.com and clicking on the Academy button. Welcome back to Final Thoughts with Sean and Bob. Sean, what an amazing young man he is. Absolutely. I think of the Wired to Hear book that we wrote and how it has all those wires. Oh, you have one in the background. It has all those wires that basically we're wired to hear God. We're wired for God. And he has all that wiring inside of him. Like I've never thought of that on our show, to use an example. You just feel like so wired for God, yeah. for, for success, for helping other people. And I just so encouraged by that because a lot of that wiring has to do with the character and has to do with his, he's a sponge. Like he's, he's hungry to grow and learn. So he's willing to learn from the experience of life. He's willing to learn from other people in a real way. And he's very risky and brave. And I think like a lot of our viewers are, are as well. I believe that they're, and they have a role model now if they're in his age group, like how do you, how do you become more brave and take better risks? And I think it really depends on the quality of relationships you have. 
if it's healthy or not. I thought it was so interesting that, and I guess it was because he grew up with a grandfather and a father who loved the Lord and poured into him, but that he literally rowed the boat to the other side of the lake to thank this man for uh, the fishing trip. And, yeah. and and he he is right in connecting it to, you know, Jesus saying, where are the other nine? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen this in, in, you know, people of all ages who are willing to show gratitude. And he had that ability in his character to show gratitude, which led to um, all these different other things in his life. And I think it will keep leading to other things. And one of the things that I took from the interview is always being able to see what God is doing strategically and supernaturally in your life. And then, yeah. and then, and then acknowledging the person and God for it. Wow. That's so good. And I think, I think asking or being available to people in a different way than everyone else is. I think like if you're looking for mentors specifically or people who, who can pour back in or who can help you, a lot of people just come in with their questions like, here's my life, here's my problems. And they want counselors. You kind of mentioned this in, in our little break. They want a counselor. They want somebody to just hold their hand and walk them through something. That's not really what mentoring is. It can be. There can be some holding hand. Yeah. You've done that for us a few times. But but really, there's something about really leaning into someone's life and 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 being willing to look with God's eyes at their life and what what applies to you too and what you can because there's a valuing there's a system of valuing that happens in the kingdom that if we could see each other and we could see and benefit from each other we actually get a leg up we actually impartation is the word in the Bible we get impartation from each other's God journey and I feel like he's good at that like he's good at like getting impartation I feel like probably a lot of people aren't because when we come with our problems, we're coming just to get solutions, not actually to share life, not actually to get more of what God's put in somebody and value that, respect that, and then pull it on it. It's almost like Elisha said to Elijah, I want your mantle on a double portion. It's like, I'm going to pull from you. But he wasn't saying, I want your anointing or just your gifts. He was saying, I want that part of you that can actually make my life like yours with God. And I think yeah. that that's really special. One of the words that you use a lot, Sean, that I like is transactional. And what we see in this in the modern culture is a, a transactional relationship where I do something for you, you do something for me. And that's the antithesis of impartation. Yeah. And and so what we just heard is a young man who is choose the transactional relationship for a, a culture, a relationship where where the relationship matters more uh, than the issue. And I thought it was amazing. Oh, so good. Yeah. That's so good. Well, I know many of you guys are feeling impacted like we were from Alex and just from his ministry and business and all the ways that he shares with people. I'm going to encourage you to be on this journey with us on Exploring the Marketplace by going to our podcast, subscribing. If this is your first time listening, thanks for listening. If you're watching on CBN News right now and you just happen to watch it, make sure we are on a journey together. and We're leading people on a journey of what it looks like to see God in our lives add value to the marketplace journey that we're on. Whether you're an entrepreneur in a place of influence or just starting your career, it doesn't matter. If you're just, we have people who are doctors and lawyers and farmers and venture capitalists who we're interviewing and they're telling the secrets of their life story to you. And it gives you great benefit. I also want to share with you that we make these because this is a ministry. We make these by the generous donations and partnerships from people just like you. And so thank you to all of our new partners and all the people who've donated to make this happen. We are so grateful. And we want to encourage you, if you haven't yet become a donor or a partner, 
make sure to go to bowlsministries.com and click on donate or give. And you're going to go and in, get into a relationship with us that actually is going to benefit you in such a great way as it benefits our ministry to be able to make more because we give back and we sow back with resources, materials, times of prayer, especially for those of you who are partnering. We will see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for exploring what God is doing in the marketplace with us. We have amazing resources for you on our website with free videos, take an online class with us at our online school, Spiritual Growth Academy, or get one of our books, including the one Bob and I authored together, Wired to Hear. We have lots of ways to connect with you. Come visit us on social media. Just look for at Sean Bowles or at Bob Hassan or visit BowlesMinistries.com. This show is made possible by listeners just like you. Become a partner or donate now to become part of our team. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it on your socials or help us review it on the podcast server you found us on. See you next time.